Rick Atwater. Welcome to Straight Stuff on Addictions. Uh, coming to you live from Straight Up Studios here in beautiful Bull Valley, Illinois. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this lovely Sunday night. Mother's Day, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we're going to uh, we're going to keep with the 45 minute format that we started last week. So um, so we'll do that again this week and then uh, see how it goes. Hopefully we can get some phone calls. Um, is that Chris? Is that phone? Is that uh, phone uh, number available yeah. online? Yeah. Or well, should I should I announce it? It's right here. It's three two three three two three seven nine two seven nine two. Two nine seven seven. So we hope that if you have any questions, you'll give us a call, uh, and and uh, you know we'll we welcome your you know we welcome your calls, and we want to uh, thank our sponsors, uh, PME Drug Testing Devices, Hug a Bun Adult Diapers, and don't forget to eat at our favorite establishment, Ratty Ass Ribs, and uh, <laughs> those are all new sponsors, by the way. And um, I know we had some technical problems last week with the phones, so uh, give us another try. Don't give up. And uh, if it doesn't work this week, we'll keep on plugging and we'll get it next week. So that's the way that goes. I um, uh, want to thank uh, Chris uh, Atwater for uh, doing the uh, engineering here and keeping us up and running. And also um, thank uh, Brendan O., for the intro music. So thanks, Brendan. I hope you're listening tonight. Um, and our show tonight is Sobriety and Igniting the Creative Spark. <laughs> Got him. <There> you go. <laughs> we had a spider problem. Excuse us. Um, so anyway, um, so what I want to do is introduce Caitlin, uh, alias McMalted Brain, <laughs> Wait, I missed the first half. No, it's McMelted Brain. Stony McMelted Brain. Stony McMelted Brain. Brain. And Johnny W. Uh, they've joined us tonight, and we want to talk a little bit about um, creativity and uh, how that relates to getting sober and staying sober. So let me just, I don't care which, oh, you, you want him to go first? Yeah. Okay, so. Johnny, maybe you could say a little bit about how you got what got you what got you to the point where you needed to get sober, and how'd you go about doing that? I used drugs and alcohol, messed up my life, and then <laughs> decided to stop. <laughs> now, um, short and condensed version, you know, typical life, I suppose. You know, no family problems, no nothing. You know, I suppose I felt a little bit different than uh the average individual, but, you know, in hindsight, I would learn that that's just uh, my alcoholic tendency thinking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would, you want me to, like, share about my use or something? Yeah. Um, You know, I was probably... I believe about, you were a garbage can drunk. Yeah, I've been referred to as a garbage can drunk right. before, meaning I do whatever. Uh, I probably first started using substances at about 12, and, uh, you know, I smoked pot for the first time and I was about 12 and I just you know loved the feeling of it and you know my mindset was kind of uh you know this is what I'm going to do as much as possible all the time because you know 
I don't feel like my skin's crawling. I feel accepted. I don't feel left out. I, uh, I feel comfortable. You know, I felt mm. right. Mm. And, you know, that basically became my number one goal in life was to get as trashed as possible. And, you know, it worked for a short amount of time. And I would go on to uh, later down the road, you know, experiment with other things, you know, going to alcohol. And I think that's honestly where, you know, when I first started using alcohol was when uh, I first started to develop an actual problem with it because it had been, you know, fairly recreational, I suppose, as much as, you know, an everyday weed smoker can be recreational. <laughs> it was fairly recreational use up until the time where I first drank alcohol. And, uh, you know, I don't remember it, but apparently to the according to the people that I was with that day, you know, I would, uh, I drank, ended up drinking, you know, almost all of my friend's parents' liquor cabinet and waking up on the other side of town, you know, completely nude in some dude's bed and not knowing how I got there, not knowing anything that transpired in the last, you know, seven hours, something like that. And, mm. you know, most people think when that something like that happens that, you know, that they don't think that that's a, Good thing to continue doing. Right. You know? Probably not a good sign. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but my mindset was, you know, I don't remember what just happened. You know, I blocked out all of my existence for the past seven hours. Let's continue to do this. Right. So, you know, continue to go on more substances, you know, hallucinogens, uh, pills, you know, uppers, downers, just everything. And it should have been a signal once, you know, I started doing anything I could do yeah. to start getting, you know, that little buzz. And I was chasing that first feeling that I got, and the drugs and alcohol stopped working. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into it all that much, but, you know, there was a little bit of legal problem and a little bit of, you know, school family problem, and my parents were uh, recovering alcoholics, and one of them was a uh, Al-Anon member, mm. so, you know, I was kind of screwed from the start. <laughs> so we kind of know what's going to happen to you from here, right? Yeah, I was boned from the beginning, like I yeah. said, I was a program baby. Yeah. <laughs> um... But, you know, I reached a point where I crossed over the line from use to abuse, uh, or from use to addiction. And, you know, at that point, there was a lot of things that happened. And I didn't know this at the time, but, you know, I lost all ability to manage my use over substances. I lost all ability to manage my life. And the drugs and the alcohol seemed to stop doing what they had originally done, which was, you know, basically fix it, you know. Yeah. And they started to act as a cover-up for all my problems. Mm. They would mask it rather than uh, fix it. And it would just start the cycle of, you know, me not wanting to continue doing what I was doing. And I basically got to a point where, you know, I was huffing gasoline out of my parents' car. I mean, at like midnight. Mm. You know, that's kind of an indicator that you might have a problem at the age of, yeah. what, 14? Yeah. So, you know, I, at the time, I honestly thought that I wanted to die. You know, and hindsight being twenty twenty, I see now that I didn't want to die. I just wanted to live a different life, and yeah. I didn't know that that was possible. Live so, something better. Oh, definitely. Because, yeah. you know, what I was doing wasn't working for me. Right. And I got a, I was involved with a bunch of outpatient centers and a bunch of therapists, you know, and a bunch of drug testing. And long story short, I couldn't pass a drug test to save my life. <laughs> Even when I was doing, you know, things that wouldn't show up on a drug test, I would continue to go back to, you know, alcohol and the pills and everything. And long story short, I ended up getting sent to treatment, didn't want anything to do with it. And somewhere along my two-month stay in a treatment center, I decided, you know, I was going to actually do this. And 
I got out and I was high within, you know, five days. I took all the suggestions that were offered and no, I didn't take any suggestions. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I learned a lot about addiction and about recovery and about, mm-hmm. you know, my triggers and all these workbooks that they made me do. And, right. you know, I figured now that I know all this stuff and that I don't want to continue to get high and drunk, you know, I'm not going to. Right. Because now I know better. You know, I know what I can do. I just have to avoid my triggers and, you know. Right. So you had it up. You had it upstairs, but you didn't mm-hmm. have it down here. I had yeah. self knowledge, and that was just gonna fix everything in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like I said, I got high within five days, and that was start to spree of me. So much know, for insight, huh? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Came around the program a little bit and uh, started trying to get involved, but not really. I would go to twelve step meetings, and nothing would really work because all it would do was show up and leave, mm-hmm. and it would start like a seven or eight months spree of me just continuing to make resolutions to not get high and not get drunk and go and get high and get drunk. Mm-hmm. And eventually I would get to a point where, you know, this being the short and condensed form, you know, after about eight months of that, I found myself at this place that a lot of people refer to as a jumping off point. Yeah. Where I just didn't know what to do. You know, I didn't know what path to take. I didn't know. I didn't think I could live with drugs and alcohol or live without it. And I was just completely lost, completely hopeless, completely broken. And that was the point that I needed to be at to get that. You know, I needed to go through that pain to mm-hmm. get that level of humility and, you know, pop my ego balloon enough to get to that point where I can actually recover because I needed to be broken to be willing to do the things that I needed to do. Yeah. And, you know, I signed myself back into another treatment center because I couldn't string together a day sober. Uh, spent my 16th birthday in treatment <laughs> and got out and I actually started to take some of the suggestions that were offered to me and... You know, I worked the steps, uh, got involved with service and fellowship and all this stuff. And, you know, I actually started to take some of the suggestions rather than just thinking of myself as better than that. Because my previous coming around the 12-step rooms was characterized by a lot of justification. You know, me thinking, I'm too young to be uh, to be an alcoholic or a drug addict. Or, a, lot so, of people, a lot of people would probably think that. Mm-hmm. Or, you, you know, know I never shot a, stuck a needle in my arm or I... Right never went to jail, so, you know, I don't need to do as much work as these people do. Right. But I figured out that it's none of that that makes me an alcoholic or a drug addict. It's my thinking, you know, and okay. I want to... Doesn't matter what age you are. Nope. How it old are you now? All of us. 16, 17? 17. 17. You know, I heard it put once by a man who was much wiser than me that, you know, this is a thinking problem and we can't think our way out of it. What do you think of that? <laughs> you know, and I was dumbfounded. And that's what I had to stop doing. You know, I had to let the people who obviously had this down think for me, you know, because I couldn't think for myself. And still to this day, you know, my thinking is one of my worst enemies. And that's why I rely on, you know, my sort of a higher power and Mm -hmm. the people who obviously have been where I have been and came out fairly okay on the other side. Yeah. I mean, you know, today, by the grace of God, I have, you know, 16 months sober and Mm. my life has definitely taken a change for the better. Yeah. That's the most condensed way to put my history. Okay, well, that's good. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I know it's hard to to squeeze a like a yeah. squeeze a life, squeeze you know, whole life thing, the, you know, in the, into that short of a time. But yeah. uh, so, okay, so let's switch to you, Caitlin, and and give us your give us your the short form of Caitlin's uh, history here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know for me. And I realized this over my recovery and that I felt that I was born an alcoholic and an addict and the way that I think 
and I just become it. You know, my problems, my addiction definitely came through my teen years, but I just thought my thinking was always since I was a little kid. Um, just the way of manipulating, lying, and cheating, and stealing. Did so, you know that, like, only, like, looking back? You didn't know at the time, back, looking back looking on back, it was always that way? I mean, looking, I never really knew I had the problem of addiction or any of the things that came with it until, you know, I got into recovery. Hmm. Um, growing up, for me, it was definitely a chaotic household. Um, there's, you know, my mom and my sister are both addicts, so it was definitely very hard for me to, you know, stick with that and not become one myself. But, um, you know, when I was 11 years old, my sister brought me into, you know, got me into pills mm. and that definitely took a turn on me and experiencing with chemicals mm. and what they would do for me. Mm. And, um, you know, my dad always told me, he said, don't, don't ever turn out like your sister. Don't ever go down the road she's going, you know, explaining to me two different roads as going down a good path and going down the bad path. Mm. And that's the path that, looked more appealing to me. It was a wild and dangerous and something that I just wanted to go down and experience as much as I could of it. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was in sixth grade, I was probably 11 or 12, I took my first drink. And, um, you know, I had a very bad experience that night happening with it. And uh, I don't really understand why I didn't stop drinking after it. I just wanted to have that feeling once mm. again. That was just my mind you know, contemplating with me that, you know, this is what I want. This is what I want to feel as much as I can. Um, seventh grade, I started smoking marijuana mm. pot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, Weed, we can use whatever. Weed, you yeah. Know. <laughs> Ganja, <technical>. whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, that definitely was the greatest thing I thought that ever happened to me. Yeah. At that time, I was like, this is the best thing ever. This is like the top, like top thing, man. And um, it's harmless. Yeah, it's, it's a little herb. You won't get addicted. You know, <laughs> you won't get addicted. Right. I promise. Oh, and by the way, you know, I want to, I want to go back to that. When you first had your first drink, and it was, you had a terrible experience, yeah. and then you wanted to do it some more, and yeah. you, and you yeah. can't understand. Why? I understand why. Yeah. <laughs> that only happens oh, to certain yeah. people. <laughs> You know, why Why can't I stop? Yeah. That was my question. Mm. And um, so going back, you know, I felt like the drugs that, the drugs were drinking for me was just turning my personality into what it was. You know, the whole lifestyle that it kind of conformed me into the person that I was. And um, going into, uh, about when I was like, into going to high school, um, that's when I started uh, trying my first DOC, which was acid. Mm-hmm. And um, drug of choice. For drug of choice. The audience might not know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and um, you know that that was I knew from when I first took my the two doses I had that was it for me. Mm. I was escaping a complete reality. I was going somewhere else and finding the illusion that I didn't have to deal with any of the problems or any of the chaos at my house. I could just go and experience something different each time, you know, just feel okay for maybe seven or eight hours. And, you know, that started getting really bad. I started following around Fish for a little bit, the band. Um, met some pretty pretty uh, bad people. I mean, I met my main drug dealer at a Fish concert for um, my acid. and. You know, I started getting into drug dealing after that, you know, started dealing marijuana, 
and uh, acid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with me, I think when I started dealing was when my problem got really, really bad because mm-hmm. I had so much of it that I thought I was going to give it away, but really I was just taking more. Yeah. And, um, you know. Drug addicts don't make good dealers. Yeah. And all they we just really don't. don't. We really yeah. Keep banging on the, on the, oh, on yeah. the product and then, you know. Yeah. It really hurts the bottom line. So, um, going back, I started taking acid as much as I possibly could. And for, you know, the the thing about psychedelics for me was that I would have to space out the um, times I would take it. So I'd have to take it once a day and then wait another day because if I were to trip every single day, it wouldn't be the same effect for me because I was building such a high tolerance to it. So, you know, for a point of six months in my life, I was doing that. Every other day I could possibly do it, you know, six to eight hits. I would take ten maybe once a weekend. Hmm. And, you know, I I realized, you know, I was like, you know what, I don't know why my friends aren't doing this. This is the best thing ever. Why aren't they doing this? You know, why, you know, you guys smoke weed, you guys drink, you guys do some drugs sometimes at, you know, concerts, but why aren't you doing this with Hmm. me? today and tomorrow and the next day and do you think it was messing with you a little bit a little bit and yeah. definitely the paranoia came in with that yeah. drug because i got so paranoid and with definitely with drug dealing too that the cops were always yeah. you know watching what i was doing in my house and you know it yeah. was it was crazy but um when i was 16 years old i got my driver driving driving license mm-hmm. and um I got a DUI and I got into a car accident, a severe car accident, uh, head-on collision with a, a lady. And um, still to that day, I remember sitting in the jail cell contemplating with myself, oh, this is okay. This happens to people all the time. Um, you know, I snorted two Oxycontin and um, I had a lot of prescriptions on me that weren't mine. And uh, I just got into a lot of trouble and a lot of mess. And, you know, still I went to rehab for a week and... Through that whole week, I just didn't learn, and I, I didn't want to stop because it wasn't enough for me. Like, that chaos was still not enough for me. And thinking back, back on it now, like, if I wouldn't have gone into the recovery program, I don't know where I would be right now. I feel I would be in my sister's footsteps, so I'd be where she is. You know, she's in um, prison right now, and, um, you know, looking back at that, it just goes to show if I didn't go into the recovery program, I'd probably be in her footsteps in three or four years if I didn't stop. But um, so I went to a really good treatment center and um, I just, I just, I was at my breaking point, you know. I I had two of my best friends tell me, you have a problem. Mm. You, they, you know, they directly told me, like, you need to, you know, get help. And I was like, no, you guys are, you guys are crazy. Like, I'm fine. I'm okay. Everything's going to be all right. But, um, you know, my mom agreed with them, and they definitely, they took me. And it was a 28-day program, but I got into so much mischief there that I was there for 45 days, (laughs) you know, just my addict self trying Uh to get into more trouble when they're trying to help me. Now, I remember going in there and one of the counselors were like, I'm like, I'm not an addict. I'm not a drug addict. I don't need to be here. I'm not an alcoholic. What are you talking about? And I remember when I was getting admitted, I was sitting in the parking lot rolling up two joints, just smoking all my pot I had before I could go in there to make that high last. Right. (laughs) You know, and then they're like, well, look around you. Look, look 
who's with you, you know? These people are here because you guys have a problem. You you are here because you have a problem, and obviously something in your life wasn't working for you. So, you know, I, I did the program, and I think about halfway through, I really took it seriously. And, and the thing I liked about recovery was the spirituality behind it and meditation and praying because I definitely feel like I have a spiritual soul. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I got to that breaking point when I realized that um, from doing all the acid, I started having flashbacks and trails, and I didn't know what was going on when I was, you know, detoxing from all of it, and it was just the, the most scariest thing I've ever really experienced. And, um, you know, I lost my peripheral vision, hmm. and I got an MRI scan. Just checking. Did it come back? Did my peripheral vision come back? No. So, no, no peripheral vision. And I didn't realize that I, I didn't have it. I just thought that that's how everyone <laughs> saw. <laughs> but I guess not. You know, go to the eye doctor, they tell me that. I'm like, well, oh, huh. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely, I definitely suffered a lot of physical consequences from doing all the drugs and inhalants. I was chemicals I was putting in my brain. Yeah. So how long have you been sober? I've been sober for five months now. I have five months on May 16th. Good for you. So I'm just so grateful. Good for you. And how old are you? I'm 17. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. A couple of youngins. Yeah, a couple yeah. of youngins. Well, I mean, you know, like you said, it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah, really doesn't. You know, it doesn't matter. It could be. Yeah. And you were talking about, um, you know, so you're talking about your spirit and, and which ties, it kind of ties into what, what, I, what I want to talk about because you guys both play music. Mm -hmm. yes. Have you always played guitar, or have you, is it, did you pick that up after you got sober? No, I um, started playing guitar about four years ago, and I was still in my using and drinking, doing the and drugging process. And, um, you know, when I was playing guitar, I always thought I was better when I was high. Yeah. <laughs> but really, I just sounded like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You thought you were better, though, yeah. right? Yeah, in my mind. Yeah, we were, talking, we were talking about that before you guys, you know, that's. The, that's the that's the brain, right? Yeah. You think you're a great artist, you know? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Were you? Did you play before uh, you sobered up, or did you um, start after? I played bass first, actually. Yeah. Electric bass, and then I picked up guitar. So I played bass and guitar for probably about a year before I started using. And then throughout my using, I just kind of lost it. Like literally the entire time I was using, I played my guitar and bass couple times maybe mm -hmm. I would be so determined too. I'd sit down with my guitar sit down with my bass and be like I'm going to write a song you know okay well first I need to get a little bit drunk before I do it so you know put down the guitar go grab a bottle of Jack and the next thing I know you know waking up from a blackout somewhere and completely forgot about my guitar but yeah I started playing before mm -hmm. throughout my use you know my musical abilities did you have the same experience like you thought you were better than you than you were just, you know like I said in my story or my condensed story, you know, my primary goal was to get as trashed as possible every single second of every day. I, right. So that kind of rules up spending a lot of time on music, doesn't it? When I picked up music again, you know, I was, I would venture to say that I was less of where I was at when I first started, mm -hmm. you know, because I just lost all of my ability. <laughs> like I said, I barely, you know, I, I, yeah. would, I would see it every day. I'd see so my to, guitar, see so my to ask you if you got better since you got sober would be kind of an understatement. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like you went backwards when you were when you were getting... It's, it's a roller coaster ride. <laughs> yeah, it's a roller coaster ride. It, it is a roller coaster ride. Do you guys, maybe this would be a good time to 
to stop talking for a couple minutes and let you make some make some music. Yeah. Would you good. Would you do that? Okay. Sure. All right. Let's let's do that, and then we'll we'll I'll have a few more I have a, some other things I want to ask you. So. Yeah. Do you would you like to like check my levels? Because I have no idea. Yeah, play a little bit. Yeah, you know, just see how it's down here. Play a chord just like however you're going to play them. You might need to move closer a little bit. Whatever you're going to play. I don't know, just play some chords and then I'll get the level. Once. Like, Briefly. yeah, three minutes. Like, yeah, three minutes. 
So you're just like kind of like just I, I improvising, mean, yeah. Yeah, just improvising. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, I lose track of time when I do that. Yeah. <laughs> so so let me let me ask you this then, because the focus the, the the focus of the show is to really kind of talk about where what what role just maybe I should just ask you this what role does the does your music does the creative creativity part play in your recovery? I mean, what, where does that uh, where does that fit in for you? Well, I know for me, back um, you know when I, in my using days, I you know picked up guitar and I thought you know this is this is what I really like to do. But you know the time for me of you know putting all my time into you know getting drugs and getting high, I like basically blocked out guitar for me. And, you know, now in my recovery, I just, that, this is like my main focus. I put all my energy into playing guitar and, you know, painting and my artwork. And, you know, it really, I could put so much more, you know, effort into it. And I feel like I have a clear mind. You know, I know what I'm actually doing, you know. <laughs> and um, it's it's definitely, I definitely sound better. You know, I've, you know, my dad always told me, you know, you, you sound better. You know, I can I can tell. Even though you may be playing the notes right when you were getting high, like you definitely have a better sound. Do you think your um, Do you think your music or your art says something that you can't say um, with words? Oh yeah, um, you know, for my art, I um, I'm a painter yeah. and um, I also did some ceramics, but. Painting for me was definitely expressing how I felt when I was using, and then, yeah. you know, in my recovery now, I definitely use uh, the colors to express the way I feel. Mm-hmm. You know, with more of the brighter tones of like oranges and reds and yellows, it, it expresses my happiness and mm-hmm. my, you know, peace of mind. And, um, you know, I did a recovery journal of all the things that I saw when I would trip on acid, mm-hmm. and I just put that on the paper on my canvas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, painted all the things I've seen, and mm-hmm. it definitely turned out really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel. Have you yeah. written a song about your recovery? Um, you know, I'm in the process of writing lyrics. I haven't written um, any chords behind it, but mm-hmm. I have a lot of lyrics that I write about now in my yeah. recovery and how I felt. And um, I actually met this guy who played guitar, and he uh, taught me one of his songs about recovery and I thought that was really cool because mm-hmm. you know other people are doing it out there yeah expressing their creativity through their recovery and, yeah and by the way I'm I'm looking for him because yeah I want to talk to him yeah <laughs> I want to talk to him yeah. go to the Quad City to find him yeah. oh I do Michigan. I know who you're talking about all right yeah. he's cool all right I'm, I'm starting to meet some more around here which is cool you know yeah which is very cool mm-hmm. so what Johnny what, what about you what role would you say your your music plays in your recovery how does it fit in my music, yeah. Um, well, music has been one of my biggest passions for a while, even while I while even while I was using. Because you write, you write. Mm-hmm. You've got a band. I do a lot of stuff actually right now, but um, you know, I've always been the very expressive type through mm-hmm. art. You know, I've never had a steady hand, so I can't really draw, <laughs> and uh, I don't have patience like that, at least pertaining to other forms of art. But um. But your art has been music? Yeah, for the most part, I suppose. And um, what else? Writing? Yeah, actually. I'm a little bit of a amateur writer, I suppose. I haven't mm-hmm. done anything in a while. Um, but my recovery plays into it. You know, it's the freedom that I've found through working, you know, this program of recovery that I am working. It 
allows me to reach my full potential in you know mm -hmm. all areas, especially in my music and you know my forms mm -hmm. of expression. And you know through sobriety and through having worked you know the twelve steps, you know now I've gone from picking up my guitar in what four years to you know I'm in a band right now. Um, it's called Midlothian. Yeah, I was going to ask you. We got to get the plug. I'm going to promote. Right? You know, go on Facebook, type in Midlothian. Right. M I D L O T H I A N. I'm right. going to do it for promotional purposes. Right, and that's um, fine. And where and is Midlothian? And, and I and you told me Midlothian is putting together. You got an EP, and you're putting together something. Oh more. yeah, we're going to be releasing our full length album. This my guitar keeps saying this summer, but I'm more convinced that it's going to be around fall time because we need time for you know production and recording and all that right but then you know i've gotten involved with i write some solo stuff and mm -hmm. i'm not much of a singer but you know, i work with some singers and i've actually got somewhat of an in-home studio going and you know having worked this program and being free from the bondage of self i'm I don't second guess my stuff as much you know i would write something and then completely throw it out because i just pick apart everything and right you know, now I'm more, less thinking about it and more just doing it, you know, more of a form of expression. And like you asked Caitlin, you know, it's a way for me to express things that I can't express with words. Right. That's, yeah. And then can, now once they're, once they're expressed like musically, then can you get words around them? Uh, sometimes. I mean, lyrically, I suppose I can, okay. but... Yeah. So what would you say what would you say is something that you can express that you can now say that maybe you couldn't say before as a result of your music and your recovery? Um probably a lot better at telling my story because I like <laughs> to write a lot of uh you know I write all sorts of music and I play yeah. all sorts of music, but I'm you know, a lot into the the whole rock alternative uh yeah metal reggae type thing anything <laughs> with guitar so that's a lot of things yeah, that's, yeah. That's, it's just one big genre yeah yeah that's great so i guess i'm better at telling my uh story of my use yeah due to my program and my uh my musicianship because yeah. i write a lot of songs about you know my experiences out there and my experiences yeah. in the program and just all of everything all around yeah that's what you have that's you know that's what you have like do you feel like um, your the your music is inspired? I mean, do you feel like it comes? Does it come? Where does it come from? It comes from you know all over. I'd say mostly it comes from the heart. You know, sometimes I like to make it come from the mind when I try and do when I'm trying to try new techniques, I suppose, yeah. for songwriting. But it comes from the heart when I'm writing something that I'm actually just sitting down writing, you know? Mm -hmm. Where does it come from for you? Where do you think your music comes from? Where does it... It definitely comes from my mind and my soul, really. I mean, and definitely from experience. Mm -hmm. And just being able to express how I feel through my guitar. If I'm really angry, I'll just jam out on my guitar, <laughs> you know? If I'm... And I'm you get a blister. Yeah. Yeah. Get some calluses on my finger. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm in a really, you know, calm, peace of mind kind of state, I'll play something soft, you know, just a couple of chords or, um, you know, for me, something I really couldn't say before, and I feel like I expressed through some of my lyrics that, you know, I haven't really showed a lot of people my lyrics, but, um, you know, was saying that I needed help, 
No, I couldn't mm. say that to anybody, but I can definitely. But you could play it. I could play it. Mm-hmm. So play, play if you were, if you were soft. Okay. What what would you play if what, play I need help? Can I you play need... I need help? I mean, can what, what would that sound like? What would I need help sound? Like? Is that asking too much? No, I mean. It, it just depends. I mean, if I, I mean, there can be a couple of ways I could play it. I could play it where I'm just kind of like softly crying out for it, or okay. if I'm just like screaming. How about give us a soft cry? Okay. Something that um, you know, like what, what, whatever comes to you—a uh, riff or a, uh, pertaining to. Well, let's see. Because right now I'm geared a little bit towards Mario. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> towards Mario. You love it. What's that? That's my jam. Mario. It's like jam. the old school. Are we talking Mario Brothers? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of jazzy. That's my jam. <laughs> that's kind of jazzy. That's literally my uh, like whenever I'm playing a show or something, that's my um, sound check song. Okay. <laughs> All right. How about um, do you have do you play anything? Uh, do you have anything that that what you maybe touches your touches your soul a little bit or a lot that touches my soul? What would you? What, anything in particular that you could uh, give us mm. a little bit of? I could give you anything. I mean, do you want to, like, narrow it? God, you're making me work here, Johnny. Um, something, that, uh, something that touches you. Uh, I just improv and stuff, so. That's fine. Boston is just pretty just like jam and I'll play it. Play it, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's angry. Yeah, yeah. you got that's angry. That's good. You got anything? Get any? Get anything angry, Johnny? Oh God. Okay, yeah. No, we shouldn't ask that one. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole idea. We got, blast it we got the material here. We might as well. <laughs> oh, there you go. You gotta go, drop it. That alone sounds angry. <laughs> you got to go heavy metal for the angry. It's you the only do. way to you go. You really do. I mean, it's just that's just part of it. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's that was pretty actually good. a pretty sick jam. I might use that one. Yeah, keep it. <laughs> that, you know, that's uh, that's really good. That's stuck in my head now. Yeah, Let me just. How much time we got? Just uh, just under four. Okay, so we're good. So, do you think that you could? Um, do you think that you could stay clean without without your music? That, no, really, because that's something that it takes up my time. And, you know, boredom, you know, gets my mind thinking and Mm -hmm. thinking of the things I could be doing if I wasn't playing guitar, if I wasn't, you know, keeping myself busy with um, all the things that I do. And, you know, music is just something that's a part of me now. And I felt like it has been since I picked up the guitar. So, no, I I really don't think. can't separate it out. I really can't. Yeah. Yeah, no. just like ripping out my foot or something, an amputation. Yeah, walk around happy destiny. Yeah. Or so what I... about what about you, Johnny? What what about you? Could you stay clean without your music? Um, clean. Yeah, I mean, I could. You could say clean. I wouldn't say sober though, because you know, sober entails the thinking. Right. And you know, without some form of release or expression, that's some form of an artistic thing, and. Music seems to be my only exit there. You know, I wouldn't be able to stay sober-minded. and I need something to get me out of my crazy head, you know? Yeah. So I can so, stay clean, but... But not, uh, not happily... No, uh, no, not. Well, you said something that's very interesting. Um, give me give me this when, when we're... Okay. So we're winding down here. So, um, well, you know, it, it keeps you out of your head. And I think... That was really the whole, in, in some respects, that was what I was thinking about when I asked you, you guys to come over here, is that music, I don't think, comes from your head most of the time. It comes from somewhere else, so that's where, that's what makes it so useful. I mean, that's what, not even, not useful isn't even the right word, you know. It's It comes from somewhere else, and that somewhere else is the same place, at least in my opinion, the same place that sobriety comes from. Oh, definitely. You know, and I'm not sure exactly how to define where that is, doesn't have to be defined. You can't mm-hmm. define it. So, um, anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming. It's, it was fun. It thank was you for having us. Yeah, and and if there's, you know, and we'll do this. We'll do this some more. You know, I mean, we'll do this some more. We'll have mm-hmm. maybe if you know some other artists, musicians, people that have other ways of doing things that help them, you know, stay clean and sober. Mm-hmm. That's that's our interest here. So, yeah. we really. I'll be I'll be hitting on you to help us out and uh and I guess so I'll I'll do my uh I'll do my little pat goodbye here and then we'll we'll sign off and uh 
And that is thanks everybody who listened tonight for joining us and uh, and I hope you enjoyed it. wisely today and love yourself and your neighbors and uh, together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. So we'll see you next week.